Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today, the man who is thoughts become things, Neo-Positivity. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. Debbie G is going to be away this week. She's uh, she's studying for finals. She's been taking some courses and making herself a more amazing, powerful Debbie G than she already is, which is kind of mind-bending when you think about it, Neil, right? I mean, is it possible to be more Debbie G than Debbie G? We are going to witness it. We are. I think we are right. going yeah. to witness it. So it must be possible. You know? I guess so. Yeah, you're right. Yes. You're going to have to turn the lights down a little bit. You're going to have to dim the room a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. She's, she's bringing the fuego. She's bringing the light. You know, that's what she is, a light bringer. That's um, what she does. That is exactly correct. And we I had a guest you. scheduled for today. Unfortunately, he had a last minute emergency that popped up last night that kind of messed his schedule around. So we'll see if we can have him back another day. But Actually, this is a good thing because, Neil, you and I haven't had a good chat in a while. I mean, we've, we have all these guests on, and sometimes it's you, me, and Debbie and all that. We haven't actually done it one-on-one in a while. So Let's we got to catch up it. on that, right? Let's do it. Well, especially since you, you've been out, like, you, you have literally, I mean, literally just been flying lately. Just flying. <laughs> yeah, I've been a lot of places, back up to Georgia, um, which is really nice. Um, no reception. So I'm sorry. I can't bring you guys out there, but I've been posting a lot of videos and stuff mm. on my Facebook story. I'm learning about Facebook story and Instagram story, how it works 24 hours. Some things you can put a link on the screen, but some things you can't. Mm. So it's really, you know, that's intense. That's beyond me. I'm going to let you youngsters worry about stuff like that. I'm still <laughs> stuck on getting reception in Georgia. So as long as I you got reception, you know, I'm there. But yeah, traveling a lot, living life. I love flying. I love smiling. And I've been doing a lot of both. A lot of both. And and they kind of go together, don't they? Yes. I mean, unless you're scared of flying, but uh, I am not. <laughs> <laughs> I got that sense, actually. Yes. <laughs> Amazingly enough, I I was scared to fly, like to get on planes my whole life. It would take me a whole week to prepare. I was just terrified. And I've always been scared of heights. Um, Okay, so you got to walk us through that. I mean, how does a guy who is afraid of heights end up being not only a pilot, but actually straps a a fan onto the back of his (laughs) his suit there and just starts flying? How do you get from A to B here? You know what? I'll back it up a little bit. I've always been scared of heights. Anytime my friends played on roofs, and they would jump off. I, I was always the last guy to jump off. And anytime climbing up ladders, yeah, I start getting shaky. Anytime we approach you know, 10 feet, 8 feet, I, I'm real shaky on ladders. Anything above that, I'm terrified. And if I'm on a two- or three-story building, I won't even go close to look over the edge. Yet, I did the pole vault in high school. <laughs> and I, I was the bomb. I won the conference. I won Whoa. the county almost all four years. Uh, best in the entire conference, the entire county, which in New Jersey, it's a 50 mile radius mm. and, you know, uh, probably 50 schools. Um, so yeah, from scared to heights to doing a pole vault and scared to fly my whole life, but I've always wanted to be a pilot. And it wasn't until I was, you know, driving to my first pilot lesson that I realized, you know, holy crap, I'm scared to fly. Like, like, what am I doing? What if I, <laughs> And I was like, well, I'm here. I might as well just go up for one. If I'm scared, I'll come back down and don't do it again. And as soon as I felt the plane in my hands and my control, 
and looking around at how much farmland and places to potentially land if if I had an engine out, I just felt comfortable. And ever since then, now that I'm in, now that I know what an airplane can do, hmm. and and if different failures happen, I know what contingencies are set in place to still land this plane. I'm so much more comfortable. If the wing flies off and, you know, it's just whatever. <laughs> That's when you start looking over life and smiling about what happened, what you've been through. Um, but other than that, engine out, stuff goes bad. I know where to land. I know how to put that down. So ever since then, I've been pretty safe. And um, I enjoy flying paramotor so much. It's so, just beautiful. So basically what you're saying is what made the difference in terms of overcoming your fears was feeling like you were in control. As you know, it's funny you say feeling like you're yeah. in control because right. it's not being in control, you know, that gave me because you're not in control. Even if your hand is on your stick and you're flying a plane. Yeah, you're in control of the plane at this moment. But the very next second, something can happen. So you're not in control. Mm. And so it's the feeling that you're in control that really got me. But it really wanted me what I, I really wanted to say that was. And this is a great subject I think we should dive into today. Sure. Is that comfort of feeling like you're in control that our body searches for naturally. I think it was the science of getting rich where he was talking about that. Um, when you go into a situation and you don't know what's going on, you automatically look for things that you have knowledge of and could control. You know, you have control over your body automatically does that. And it looks for scenarios that might not be there trying to get you control. And so you end up, you know, I guess just trying to feel comfortable. Your brain does that automatically, but it all, sometimes it puts you in an uncomfortable situation, mm. you know, uh, as far as like manifesting wise, like you know, I'm trying to give you an example. You, you read the untethered soul. No, I have not read it cover to cover. No, I've seen, <sighs> I've read bits of it. I've not read the whole thing. You got to get into it. It's been a while since I actually touched on um, this particular subject. But basically, like, let's say I walk into a room and I'm like, okay, I got control over that, 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 that. And your brain does that automatically. Like, I can control that. I know what's going on there. So you'll feel comfortable about the room. But when you walk into a room and you can't do that, it's like you're in a frenzy. You're looking for things to grasp and, and have control over and you can't. And then you end up in a headspace that's not as easy to focus, and concentrate, and come up with good ideas on what to do next or, you know, brainstorming. If, if that's your point to go to that big meeting, and have a brainstorming session. It's hard to brainstorm if you're terrified deep down, like you're not terrified on the sofa surface, but deep down inside your body was grasping for things to have control over in that room and it has none. Mm -hmm. And so it's like those type of different little mentalities we walk into every room we walk into with these things, you know? So it's better to have a, a grip on it. I guess it's control. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is. Same control. control. Yeah, it is. And well, you, you made reference to, uh, and you were doing it in kind of a humor, kind of a, a sick humor, uh, the, the wing falling off the plane. Have you ever seen the video of the guy who was flying and the wing fell off the plane and he landed it? He's he alive? I'm assuming he's alive. Yeah, you you, you see the video of him walking away from it. That, I, I, I was it. the most amazing video I've ever seen. Literally, he's he isn't flying very high. He's like 500 feet, something like that, maybe a thousand feet. And the wing comes off, and he he instantly goes into uh, a, a sideways motion because of you know the things out of out of balance because there's no wing. You know, there's a, there's a wing missing, 
And then he does one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. He flies with his wing pointed toward the ground in circles. Mm-hmm. And he circles his way down to the ground. And when he gets within, I don't know, 20 feet of the ground, he whips the other wing around and, and, and basically slams down onto the ground on the wheels. <laughs> yeah, you have to. Oh, my goodness. The amount of precision that it would take. Um, if you were able to practice that whip over and over again, you could get good at it in that plane. But he's never practiced it. Yeah. That's the plane, so the weight ratio, everything about that situation was so custom. And I couldn't even imagine what kind of uh, brown stains he had on his pants when he was done. <laughs> the craziest thing is as soon as he lands the plane and it bounces once and it stops, then you see the cockpit open and he staggers out and he just kind of zigzags across the field as he's trying to make sense out of what just happened. That's insane. Uh, it's yeah. I try not to watch any videos like that, but to be a good pilot, you have to know and you have to watch yeah. videos like that. And um, so there's a, that's the contradictory of right. uh, trying not to visualize negative situations when you actually kind of have to. Same thing goes with the police department. You know, all the type of combat training and stuff that we went through. Um, you have to see yourself in those dark situations. You know, your gun is taken from you. He has it. He's on top of you. You're out of breath. You know, go. And it's like running these scenarios. You don't want to, but you got to. You don't well, want to be. In that, when you're in that kind of a field, they keep you alive. Yes. Yes. They And back to aviation, they always say that the cockpit is the worst place to learn. Mm. And you would think, what do you mean? That's where you learn how to fly. No, (laughs) that's where you're testing out what you're learning. Let me tell you something. When you're in the cockpit and you're staring at 12 different instruments going back and forth, your instructor trying to teach you something. (laughs) That's not a good time to try to get a message across when I'm fighting for my life. Kind of (laughs) right. I'm in this 50 something year old metal box with wings. Um, trying to maintain. So, yeah, it's life lessons. You know, there's different extremes, being a police officer and being in a 50-50, you're about to die or you're not in an airplane situation are so different from the life decisions that you make out here. However, they're the same thing, just on different levels. Mm. Can you stay mm-hmm. positive in the face of the negative, whether in the air or taking a quiz? And, and you can't remember that one problem, quadratic equations. I don't know if anybody remembers those. But oh, that yes. was my downfall in algebra. <laughs> that was my downfall. I thought I knew them. It was simple enough, but every single one I would get wrong. And it was just uh, algebra two. But yeah. All, all I can tell you is what saved me with quadratic equations was PEMDAS. Nope. See? Nope. That, that's all it was. PEMDAS is, is an acronym that stands for the, the order of calculations. So parentheses exponents, multiplication, division, addition, subtraction. You do the calculations in that order and you'll always get the answer right. I might have gotten it if you'd have told me that back then. I might have actually succeeded in quadratic, but that ended me. I knew that calculus and trigonometry weren't an option once I asked that. Well, let me tell you, it gets even more fun when you get the calculus because I got the calculus in, and all of a sudden my brain was fried. It didn't make any sense to me at all because it turned out it was because the teacher was a poor teacher. I ended up after leaving high school, I ended up taking it again through a, a, you know, like a technical school just to see if I could do it. And I aced it the second time around because I had a much better teacher. You know what? Yeah, that's, that's big. That's a big thing too. 
because <laughs> I didn't, yeah, I didn't vibe with a lot of my teachers, but mm-hmm. the ones that I did, I did fairly well. But I don't yeah. want to talk about school. It's a negative subject. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, for you, it's a negative subject, so we will stay away from school. By the way, I don't know if you saw Debbie G was posting in the uh, the live stream. She said, she, first of all, she said she's listening to two of her favorite peeps while getting ready for her last finals. Which is nice. Yeah. And she said, in reference to the book, uh, The Untethered Soul, yes, I read it because you suggested it, Neo. And she says it's a super read. <laughs> the book is amazing. It is. And thanks, Debbie, for shouting out. I got this, the arm to my camera. I'm trying to redo this system. It's blocking the chats now, so I, I can't really see. Oh, okay. Yeah, well. On. A little more adjustment needed there, that's for sure. Yeah. But she also says she, she has finals hair. I didn't know there was such a thing. Finals hair. You know what? I can picture Debbie going, <laughs> and then <laughs> 20 minutes later, she goes to the bathroom. She's like, whoa. Yeah, what just happened here? Oh. <laughs> she looks in the mirror like, whoa, did that? Where did that? Oh, yeah. Question Not going out three. tonight, I can tell you that. Oof. <laughs> nah. It's funny enough, I, I watch Ridiculousness because I love to laugh, obviously. And uh, they had a segment on there of just people that were studying while trying to party. Oh, really? And all of the all mistake. of the segments were they look like college, you know, yeah. dorm rooms and stuff like that, yeah. and college frat parties. And you see girls on the dance floor dancing, and there's one girl in the corner just sipping on a drink with a book. She ain't paying nobody no mind. And you know they're showing another clip at a party, and that's just funny, being able to uh, study in that atmosphere. I was never able to do anything like that. I couldn't have a stereo on. I couldn't have anything on. It had to be silent. My kids study with AirPods on listening to music, and I can't. uh, I can't do that. No. No. When I do my work, I I have to have a silence when I do my work around here. I can't yeah. do it with, but Louise is often listening to TV or playing music or something like that. And I, I have to shut the door. I have to bolt, mm-hmm. bolt the windows. It's got to be quiet. Yeah. If I hear, if my, if my son turned the TV up on just now, like right now too loud, I, uh, well, I'll do it because I'm on a podcast. But if I was working work, like going deep, yeah, it got to be quiet. That's mm-hmm. why I like to do it from midnight till two in the morning. And even then still, mm-hmm. I go on my trailer because in my trailer, I can say what I want. Oh, right. You know? Yes. That's, that's the beauty, but I, that's the biggest part of me doing this every night from midnight to two in the morning is being able to say and do what I want free of judgment. You know, it's always great. Yeah. And sometimes you want to voice things out loud. It helps you brainstorm better sometimes. And I love that. I love that so much. And. It comes to a point where it could just be me and Amor, my, my four-year-old here, and I still go out to the trailer sometimes, you know, because, hey, what if I want to yell? Mm-hmm. It's one in the morning. I don't want to wake him up, scare him. What if I want to yell? What if I want to yell? <laughs> yes! I want to celebrate something. My son graduated high school yesterday. Yeah, Woo-hoo! I was screaming in my trailer last night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, my biggest and probably the only stressor in my life has officially ended, y'all. Yesterday afternoon at 7.30, whenever he flipped that tassel, <laughs> it was over. My daughter, I didn't have to ask her, check on her homework or study with her at all. Mm. It was very fast where I think it was, she was in like fifth grade before I realized she was smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, she was doing quadratic equations ah. two years before the school was even going to make her do them. 
right, which right. Is, which I think that was going to be in like eighth grade. So she was doing it in like fifth, sixth grade. And I was like, oh my goodness. Well, so much for helping you with your homework, mm. you know? Um, so she was such a breeze. Uh, my son, on the other hand, was what I would describe as the exact opposite of everything uh-huh. I just said. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Yes. So, totally. yeah. Well, you know, there's, there's a thing here that's very, there, there are two themes here that I wanted to address that are really important. I'm not sure which ones to do first. I'm, I'm just going to do this one that we just touched on right here. And that is the appropriateness of when someone should study something. And the reason I think that's important is the way that traditional education, public schools, colleges, universities, the way they're all structured is it's a little less so in college and university because the student gets to decide what courses they're going to take. But even so, they are told what it is they're going to study within the course. And in, in public school, they're told what they're going to study, period, on everything. Yeah. And yet, study after study done not by major educational institutions, but, you know, fringe organizations that wanted to question the way the model worked. Study after study in those areas have shown that when the student has more control over deciding what it is they're going to study, let alone how they're going to do mm-hmm. it, they do so much better. And that actually there's a very good reason to believe that the more that we push somebody to study something that they're really not in a place to study, the more likely they're going to come to hate it and be, and develop aversions to it. And it can actually adversely affect them. The biggest example I can think of, you mentioned quadratic equations. I'll broaden that to math. Math is is one of the most horrific subjects from the point of view of so many people. There's so many mm-hmm. people who are horrified by doing any kind of math because their experience in school was so bad. Why was it so bad? Because they weren't ready to study math yet. Interesting anyway. thing happens when you, when you let somebody actually get to there when they when they're ready to do it. They 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 can lap it up in seconds. But if you try to push their faces into it, it can take years and they won't make any progress and they'll probably actually lose ground. Math is such a great example because <clears throat> you're not just dealing with, I was just thinking about this last night. If it was just add, subtract, multiply, divide, I think everybody should learn those, but you should have an option which you want to learn after that if it piques your interest and you choose it. School system is crazy flawed, but the math was a great example because it's not just that. Once you dip into geometry, shapes and sizes and what happens mm-hmm. with formulas Mm-hmm. You're in a whole nother beast. <laughs> yeah, and then it true. goes, and then it goes to quadratic equations that really mm-hmm. leaves, uh, 90 degree angles behind, but it's a whole nother thing when you're dealing with that whole algebraic, uh, mindset. But I wanted to ask you this and I already know your answer, but I want to ask it anyway. <laughs> what kind of person gets produced? Oh, I'll put it like this. You got two different kind of people. Okay. People that grow up with things happening to them and people that grow up making choices, choosing what's happening mm-hmm. to them. Now, mm-hmm. who grows up to be the more successful person? Oh, God, that's such an easy one. Yeah. Generally speaking, obviously, there's exa- there's exceptions, but generally speaking, we both know the person who's walking around choosing. So n- with knowledge of this, before I knew the law of attraction, I knew this. And I would always, I think I told you the story before, my kids starting with my daughter, I wasn't as successful with my son, but with my daughter, when we go to the doctor's office, when she would first have to get needles, I would ask her, listen, you need to get this needle. You know, it, it's, you know, it's necessary for this, this, that, that, that. Do, or do you want to do it? 
And I would give her the choice of to whether to get the needles or not. And this is going back to her, you know, not the first, first needles when mm-hmm. the baby crying, but when she was old enough to tell me yes or no. Mm-hmm. And she thought about it. And, you know, I told her she needed them to go to school. She really wanted to go to school. Mm-hmm. She was like, okay. And ever since then, every single time we went to get a needle, because you know, they're like every six years and then, you know, so it's a bunch of times sure. I let, I let her make the choice. Mm. Now, a hundred percent, if she said no, we were still going to hold her down. <laughs> <laughs> so it's <was> a semi choice, <laughs> but she didn't know. She didn't know that. So for her, she grew up making choices. And I always did that with her. You choose this. All right. Well, you choose that. And she was that. And, t- and guess what? She chose to be a brain surgeon and she's about to be. Wow. Really? Yeah. She's about to be a very, very young doctor. Wow. Good for her. And that, and that is a direct result. Now, if she grew up and we grew up in an atmosphere where people don't make choices, life happens to you. Mm -hmm. That's why everybody I went to school with is a factory worker or Mm -hmm. something like that. Um, and, and the generations before that, Jersey and Jersey, PA, um, and New York, it's just terrible how they do with the school systems, but that's what it is. You grow up with life happening to you and you respond to things happening. You get a test score that's bad. Ooh, what do I do? Do I tell my parent? Da, 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 as opposed to making choices. When you're making choices, guess what? You're looking ahead. So you can say to yourself, you know what? I don't want to get in trouble again. Let me actually study tonight. <laughs> and then you get a better grade. And then you don't get your ass whipped. <laughs> Whatever the situation is, you know, in your household. But yeah, two different people. I'll I'll add in something else to this, which is that it also matters whether or not the the child, because we're talking about children at this point, the child is given complete freedom or not to follow their noses. And the reason I say that is you you, you brought up, for instance, um, adding, subtracting, multiplying, dividing, basically or the arithmetic. You said everybody needs to be taught that and after that they should have the choice i would submit to you that even that should be an option and the reason i think that should be an option is because i've seen what happens and learned what happens when you give kids the option about that and and what happens is freaking cool i'll give you an example now uh i think most listeners who have been listening for quite some time know that i helped to found a school in 2002 in connecticut uh, a very alternative school on what's known as the Sudbury model. And the Sudbury model is literally where the kids decide what they're going to do every single day. They run the school. They, they basically run everything and they, and talk about making choices. They're making choices a, a lot, mm-hmm. literally day to day, hour to hour, minute to minute. They're making choices. One of the cool stories, uh, by the way, the model comes out of um, uh, a school that was founded in 1969. I believe it was in Framingham, Massachusetts called Sudbury Valley School. So that's why it's the Sudbury model. And one of the stories that comes out of Sudbury Valley is one that I love. I just absolutely adore this, this uh, story because the schools are run by the kids. I mean, there are staff members, but the staff members are there basically to provide assistance and support to the kids as the kids make their decisions about everything they're trying to do, including running the school itself. I mean, there's a school meeting that they are all part of. The school meeting decides. It's basically the administrative body of the school deciding, okay, we're going to we're going to allocate the budget this way, and we're going to do that, and we're going to build That's this thing. Crazy. I mean, it's an amazing system. Uh, but anyway, one of the things that comes out of that is because kids are constantly in that school making their own decisions, one of the things that they do is they they end up creating projects 
based on whatever interests they're exploring at that particular time. And, and the projects very often get formed into groups, small segments of the, of the school population, kids who all decide they all want to do this one kind of a thing. And then they get together and they try to raise money for it. And maybe they try to get some out of the school budget. And, and then they figure out how they're going to get, you know, what staff member do they need? Or do they need an outside person to come in to be a mentor? Or, I mean, they, they work the whole thing out. Well, in one of these groups that, that one of these many, many hundreds of groups that have formed over the years, one of them out of many, and this happens over and over again, it's an example. One of them decide, well, we need to be able to raise money because there wasn't enough budget in order to do what we want to do. The, the school meeting said, no, we don't really want to put our money into that uh, as a school, but this group still wanted to do what they were going to do. So they had to raise money with, you know, bake sales and all that kind of thing. And then they realized, well, we don't know any math. Well, we got to learn mm-hmm. some math. So they went to one of the staff members and said, we want to learn math. And the staff member happened to be one of the founders of the school. So he was used to this kind of thing. And he was used to it on a couple of different levels because, among other things, one of the things that happens is that the the parents of students often push their kids to go ask the, the, the staff members, can you please teach me something? Which mm-hmm. kind of goes against what the model is about. So, you know, the ones, the staff members who've been there for a while, they know to look out for this kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. we've got to handle this when it comes along. So very skeptically, he says, Oh, okay. Yeah. Your, your dad's put you up to this, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, No, 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 no. We're serious. We really want to learn this. He says, Why do you want to learn how to do math? And they explained, Well, we got this, this group of friends. Cause together. y'all won't give money. us the money we want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's pretty much what it was. Right. So they convinced him that, yeah, this is genuine. They really wanted to learn this. He says, okay, so they actually work out a contract. They agreed to do, uh, I think it was three classes a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. They agreed to do certain amounts of homework in between, and he would, he would tutor them in math. They covered the first six years of public school math in 10 weeks. Uh, <laughs> I need, an, yo, this is, this is, I didn't know that was even possible. Well, it's an interesting all, thing. Great job on the whole school and being innovative and letting oh, them do yeah. anything. I love that Very idea. Daring. I didn't even know that was it was legal to make a school like that. Oh yeah, it's possible. It, there's there are a lot of um, laws in place to discourage it, and so you, the people who found schools like this have to really learn what the law is of their particular state and how can they establish a school like this. But there's always a way to do it. You just have to be you know persistent enough to figure out how to do it. Gary Teeny. He's the COO of Disney's business coach. Hmm. He writes books and the books are usually titled how to get government contracts in Texas, oh, how okay. to get government, mm-hmm. how to make your government contracts, contracts in Florida. Right. Right. Having something like that, that could teach other states, someone like me in Florida that wants to do a school like that. Mm-hmm. Give me the template where I could just insert. You know, or, or look for, all right, I need to find a statute for this. I need to find a statute for this type of insurance. I need to find a statute for this type of legislation. And then that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. That would be amazing because this could change the way. I know schools are going to change soon because they're just not working. They're flawed. They're making. They'll have to. Yeah. Yeah. They're making factory workers. Something's going to have to change. So all ideas that are up in the air and open and having it laid out is kind of like, it's kind of like, Buying a weed farm before weed farms was a thing, <laughs> you know, getting in on a dispensary before there's one in every city now. Mm. And that would be great, dude. You should look into that. That would, that could be Walt Thiessen's legacy. Yeah. Well, I've, I've already founded my school, but I would encourage others to, to pursue the dream if that's something they're interested in. Something else I wanted to tell you about that story. Um, there was a sort of an addendum to it. 
because the staff member who, who taught the kids how to do the math and the kids who learned this math in 10 weeks was friends with the head of the math department at one of the local public schools. And he contacted his friend and told him what happened. And his friend said, oh, that doesn't surprise me at all. He said, really? Why doesn't that surprise you? And his friend said, well, it's because you really can learn all this stuff in 10 weeks or maybe maybe like five or six months. But it doesn't take all that to learn it. That's not the issue. The issue is getting the kids to pay attention to it. So we have to spoon feed it over a six-year period. That's the only way we can get them to pay attention long enough to learn the thing. Yet if they want to learn it. They can learn it in, in a short period scratch, of time. They'll knock down your door and get it quick. Yeah. And that was that was how I was able to get through my pilot's license so fast. Uh-huh. I got okay. through my pilot's license, and I think it was like just under five months or just over five months because I was just really, 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 really interested. And I, the, the math that was involved was kind of hard because you got the center of gravity. Mm-hmm. And if you have a luggage that's four feet in front of it, mm-hmm. its weight changes for sure. every millimeter that's in, it's in front of it. And it, you have to, if you don't have your plane's weight right, it will not take off and you end up dying like Aaliyah. That's what happened to the singer Aaliyah. Mm. Um, they insisted on bringing extra luggage. They told the guy, we're bringing this luggage. We're movie stars. We're, you know, we're all stars. I'm bringing all my friends and their luggage. We're not leaving anything behind. And they paid a price. They all did. Everyone on the plane died. Um, but yes, that is very critical for that. And it's critical for all areas of life, actually, including education. It's, it's critical to adopt a balanced approach. Not, I'm not trying to solve public education at this point. I'm just talking about one's own education. You have to have a balanced approach to your own education. And by balanced, what I mean is you have to be willing to open yourself up to perspectives you hadn't considered before. Or even more difficult, open yourself up to perspectives that you disagree with. I'm going to shift on that balance a little bit before I forget. I'm just going to say it. If I go to eight periods and I hate six of them, that ain't balanced. This is true. Only, one, only ones I like is, is gym and lunch. It's not balance. Now, if I was very, very interested in math and I chose to take it that semester, that's, that's starting to even things out. Mm-hmm. You know, um, history, I was thinking about the other history and geography should only be one semester, you know, a year. Um, what else? What else? You know, you got all in science. Science is a, is a, is a good one, but not everybody's super interested. I didn't need to know cytoplasm and endoplasmic reticulum. I didn't need to know about any of that. <laughs> I don't use that now. Not even being a pilot, I don't use any of that with it. So it's like certain stuff like that. You don't even know it. They shouldn't give it to us. But side note, real quick, I want to shout out everyone. I am not a Marine, but I have a bunch of family members that are a bunch of them served in Desert Storm. And uh, other wars like that. I, I, I'm starting to end all my shows with, you know, giving a shout out and showing some love to everyone who puts their life on the line so that I can live comfortably. And that includes first responders. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm I, I, they, they need to be recognized. Thank you for your service. Goes to cops and ambulance and paramedics, and EMTs. They get that too, y'all. So firefighters. thank you guys. Firefighters, um, kinda. 
No, I'm just playing. Shout out to <laughs> there, there it is again. The cops versus the firefighters. Oh no, nah, one of my best friends, Scott, is a firefighter. Shout out to Scott. That's why I said that. But yeah, shout out to all the everybody, first responders, everybody who do what they do to make my life um very easy. Thank you. By the way, we had a Marine on the show yesterday. Nice. Nice. Thank this guy, you. This guy had a really interesting story. Being in the Marines, he, he the way he explained it was being in the Marines helped basically straighten him out, which so many people have told that same kind of story, of course. And then he went into real estate at age 22, into real estate development. His mom said, you should go into real estate development. He didn't even know what it was. He had to learn what it was, and then he had to learn how to do it. Became a multimillionaire until the 2008 financial crisis wiped him out completely, totally bankrupt. And then he started all over again. And next time around, it was um, jewelry stores and gold dealerships. And became a multimillionaire again. <laughs> gold dealership. I've never yeah. even heard of a gold. Yeah, you know, like like uh, these stores you can go to. You know, we'll we'll take your gold. We'll give you we'll give you money for your gold. That kind of thing. Oh, oh, the pawn shops. Yeah, I do. Well, yeah, not they... necessarily pawn shop. They can also be uh, uh, jewelry stores too. But yes, I feel, yeah, yeah. They remind right. me of Atlantic City. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, they probably are pawn shops in Atlantic City. Pawn shops <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, just in case you want to get rid of them earrings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the ticket. <laughs> we'll hold it for you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was a very cool interview, and uh, it was very clear to to all of us that being a Marine was very important to him and his life. He considered it to be foundational to his life. So I, I wanted to include that when you were shouting out to the Marines and to everybody else. You know, to those who, who don't want to put their kids into any type of uh, military karate did that for me. Hmm. Karate gave me discipline. Karate made me, gave me the foundation and structure of who I am, made me persistent, made me work hard. Mm -hmm. um, gave me the confidence. Um, I like to say that all that was there before mm -hmm. karate brought it out of me and strengthened and fine tuned it. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that for sure. You know, I don't. So I definitely give it the props that it deserves. Well, let me bring in, we, we were, we were going to have a guest on today named Eric Lindbergh and he couldn't make it, like I said before, because he had this emergency that came up. Eric was going to talk to us about that connection within that that's actually the focus of, of his practice. He's a, he's a coach, he's a life coach and he focuses on helping people learn how to make that internal connection and develop it and understand the signals they've been getting and so on and so forth. So when you, when you mentioned what you just mentioned right now, the first thing I thought about was that internal connection because that, that connection, whether whether you think about it as being in, you know, like inside your chest or in your head, or like I, I know you do, you kind of like think there's there's like somebody behind your shoulder. You know, <laughs> it doesn't really matter how you think about it. The point is, you get these signals, and then you learn how to interpret them and understand them, and essentially interact with them. Yeah, that's when it gets interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've heard your story on that. I mean, your story was yeah. just mind blowing. I still, I still marvel at it, to be honest, that you have this, like this, this literal conversation that goes on anytime you want to have this conversation. It's like, uh, it's like the difference between learning about money and using it. Mm. It's that big of a difference. Yeah. When, when you're, and you know this, well, when you're learning about the law of attraction and the mentality and the ego and what it says and how to have these conversations, it's so much different than using it and implementing it. And what you really learn once you start to implement it, what you hear the voice say back and you wonder, why did it say that? Oh yeah. Last week I was doing, 
it really is a, a whole journey. And I encourage everybody to just take as much time as you can throughout the day and do that. If you're going to spend two hours in the gym, you need to spend at least two hours and one minute in this gym, you know. I'll tell you, I mean, I, I marvel at stories like yours and other people who've been on the podcast who have this amazing ability. They're able to tap into that inner being or however you want to label it in some incredible ways that I've never been able to match. What I've learned is that I have to not try to measure myself up against Neo or anybody else who I, I'm, I'm really admiring because that'll just drive me crazy. Like I can't ever match what they're doing. That's what the feeling is. It's not true, but that's what the feeling is behind it. So what I have to do is is learn little things along the way about what can I actually tap into? What can I actually connect to that may not be at the same level that Neo's doing, but it's a level I can, I can do. And one of the first things I learned was I actually always had something. Everybody's always had this one thing, but I never thought of it as this kind of internal connection superpower. And that's the power of emotions. The fact is that when we are, we have a good feeling, we are connected. And and once I internalized that, I mean, it's one thing to hear it abstractly, but then I started sitting with it, like you talked about, you know, just just diving into it every single day. The more I dived into it, the more I realized that I could really start to learn to trust my emotions because I I internal I think we all do. We kind of we kind of generically trust the good feeling emotions. So it's not a big leap to start connecting to that. And once I start connecting that, to that more regularly, then. Now, all I had to do, well, all, what I had to do was notice how I was feeling about something, whatever that something might be. And if it was feeling good, trust it. Even if it didn't make sense, trust it anyway. And then ask myself, what is it that I'm trusting? And what does that trust mean to me? What, what's the message behind that trust? That, that's how I took my very first steps toward getting internal messaging. Cause, cause even then I wasn't getting like, I wasn't getting the voice over the shoulder. So, so I had to go with what yeah. I was getting. Right. Yeah. You, you got to use what works yeah. and then keep going and keep yeah. pushing it. I, I, I think I got this from the untethered soul too. Okay. Um, basically, and I try, I try to word it my way because in the book they worded it very heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically if there was, if, if let's say God real quick. God or universe or whatever you believe created you and is creating things as you go. That's my disclaimer. Say if God, okay, decided to create like another universe living in Walt Teeson's shoes. Mm-hmm. You've been through everything you've been through and Jesse's going to start at this moment. This God version of you, what would he be thinking? Mm. Now, obviously, he's not going to be thinking depression thoughts because thoughts become, th- you know, he knows the rules of that. He's going to be thinking the happiest, best thoughts that Walt Thiessen could possibly be thinking about now. And he's going to be smiling and he's going to be laughing. Now, when you are smiling and laughing, you are in perfect alignment with what that God mm-hmm. is thinking and being. Mm-hmm. You are in alignment with your higher self. Mm-hmm. And when you're frowning, that's how much further you are. So I, oh, another thing I like to visualize is I, I pictured like two gingerbread men with like a, a big, like they're connected at the hip, so to speak. Okay. Mm-hmm. And when you, and there, so the energy, the blood is flowing back and forth between them. Okay. okay. One is you, the other one is the God version of you. And when you're smiling, the connected at the hip is at its greatest point. And when you're sad or unhappy, that's when it's, it's restricted. 
Mm-hmm. That's when the flow of energy between you and source is at its weakest. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the physical pain you feel is that lifeline being squeezed yes. down on. That's what we feel. So that for me, that made me, cause it's, it's a foundational thought. It made my subconscious take over and spend less time in those head spaces. Mm-hmm. I was already really good at doing that, but it wasn't until I really, until I adopted that into my just picture of how things work, I guess you could say, of what just makes sense to me, because it makes sense. Um, and the results make sense with it too. It all lines up. Once I had that, my brain was doing it for me. That's and, nice. I, and, and that's my whole thing. My whole uh, part, most of what I've been doing over the past 14 years is finding ways to do this in the background so I don't have to proactively do it. And I just thought of one of my most recent exercises. What's that? It's it's very custom to me and my situation, but I, I, I try to, maybe you'll find a way that other people can use it. But basically, in essence, I took, I took, I'll just give you around examples and round numbers. I took how much money I get every month or a year, whatever, because you're just doing the math anyway, divided by 12 or divided by four, whatever the situation is. You take that money, you break it down into how long would it take for you to make one penny? Hmm. And whatever that number is, let's say it's five seconds. Every five seconds, I could say, oh, I just got paid again. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of just got paid again. And it feels good. Mm-hmm. The ego has to shut up and let you sit in that for a second. Now it might step up and say, oh, it's only a penny, but you can get through that blockade with more practice like this. But whatever that time frame is for, for a penny, because under a penny kind of does something to you subconsciously. And, you know, so get to a penny and then, and, and then whatever that is, and then say it a couple of times. And then, you know, you'll go use a bathroom where you go do something. And when you come back to that thought, you're like, oh, I just got paid a couple of times. <laughs> then you stop and you're like, just got paid again. And, this is what you want to manifest. The whole purpose in this is so to manifest a future, like it's written on a shirt, where mm-hmm. you're saying, yeah, I just got paid again. Like, And mm-hmm. then it's a frequency thing. Now, not yeah. only what you say, because I don't know about you, but when I get the normal paycheck, I don't think I just got paid. It gets direct deposited and right. it appears towards bills on that auto pay. Um, so we're not saying it often. Mm, I, I hear you. Yeah. And you know, if, if this is your, like a heart rate, if this is you all day, just vibrating at this frequency and all of a sudden you hit it with something that's not used to, Oh, I just got paid again. Mm-hmm. Something shifted. Something has to happen in the universe to respond right. to your frequency jumping. And then you do it again. It's great exercise. It's great exercise. I, I like the idea. Paying off. Yeah. I can see that. I'm I mean, only three days in and I got in basically, uh, September 23rd. I'm flying to Denver, Colorado to speak. Really? Yes. For a handsome amount. Who are you <laughs> so, speaking to? Uh, dental. I'm doing a lot of dental. So it's a dent- I dental. I do a lot of dental. Man, you do a lot of dentals. Yeah, you do. That's where the universe is leading me. And it just so yeah. happens to be, they pay their speakers higher than any other field. No, that's fabulous. So yeah, all the other, like with, with, you know, society doing what it's doing and the price of the dollar doing what it's doing. Most other speakers have taken a big pay cut, but not the dental world. If anything, they've gone up a little bit, which is crazy. 
Mm. So it makes sense for the universe to put me in this space and then just to rocket launch me. Um, I, I went to my first event last April. Now I'm getting paid top dollar and traveling. So it's, it's a beautiful thing. But anyway, this, this last thing has been in the works for a little, not been in the works, but manifesting these type of activities has been in the works for a while. I'll give it Mm. that. But for this to all of a sudden pop up like now after three Mm. days of this new exercise, like, yeah. So I like stuff like that. Because you yeah, obviously you know where it leads. So. I, I love the exercise. I really do. Uh, in fact, I think I would turn it into one penny a, mi- a second, so that it's got paid, got paid, got paid, got paid. Well, got paid, well here's the thing: if that's not what you're making, your ego might, your ego's going to slap you down and say, "No, you didn't." Well, well, there's an easy way around that. Just don't do the calculation. See, for me, <laughs> for me, it won't stand. For me, really? if if I don't do the calculation and it's not 100 percent factual. When I do the exercise, it's not 100% effective. I still okay. have that nagging ego in the background saying, mm, well, you're right. It sounds a little heavy. Maybe I mean, you, you got to be true to, you got to be true to what works for you. There's no doubt about that. So you, that's absolutely yeah, yeah. correct. Yeah. I learned, I learned that a while ago. I'm a, I'm a stickler for that. Cause I'd love to do that. I'd, I'd love to have it that way, but I needed to be to the precise second for, and it, and I do that with everything, everything. So it's like, yeah, I just had to accept that one. <laughs> But well, I love the exercise. Obviously, it's going to vary from one person to the next because different people have different income levels. Um, and mine is a little bit different because I've I've been one of my mantras for years is I get paid to be. Hmm. I get paid to be like literally if I was to stop doing speaking gigs off residual, I'm still going to get paid for the rest of my life. I'm good. Mm-hmm. So mine is every second of my life. Whereas if someone was getting paid to work eight hours a day, that's different. They would use a different, I don't know how they would do it. I thought about it last night. It was racking my brain. But mine is a lot easier because it's like, literally, if I'm getting paid to just live for all 24 hours a day, basically, that's what I call it. Um, I can go every five seconds, every 10 seconds and calculate a number. And when I say it, it hits home for me. My ego's like, yeah, you're right. I got to let you sit in that. And then the, the ego subsides and shuts the hell up, allows my subconscious to let me feel about, feel good about getting paid again, which, you know, I, not everything in life is about money, but of course you need it to eat and I need it to feed my son. And that's what makes me happy. So it's necessary. So yeah, I'm a go for it. You know, I, there's no shame. A lot of, I hate it when people are like, ah, don't manifest money. You don't need money. You need happiness. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think we all know <laughs> money does lead to happiness, especially when you're hungry or when you're thirsty. There's something very interesting about that viewpoint. And when I hear that viewpoint um, lately, I now think about it in terms of what David Strickle has talked about. David Strickle, of course, past co-host on the show. He voices the stream of David. Um, he's a frequent guest now on the show. And one of the things that he has voiced in the, the person of the stream, basically uh, translating what the stream is sending to him, is that no matter where we are in what they call the the financial pyramid, whether we're at the top of the pyramid, the bottom of the pyramid, anywhere in the middle, no matter where we are, that position is going to be directly reflected in how we feel about money. Oh, or to put, yeah. Or to put it another way, how we feel about money is going to put us where we are in the pyramid, which is actually the more accurate way of saying it. But we think about the other way, so that's why I said it that way. 
But the simple fact is that that the people who's, who try to separate happiness from money, you can bet almost every single time they're going to be near the bottom of the pyramid. It's their way of justifying that they're at the bottom of the pyramid. It's their way of living with it and coming to terms with it. And what they don't understand, I don't think, is that the more that they do that, the more they ensure they're going to be at the bottom of the pyramid. One of my aunts used to try to, I'm not going to say beat into our heads, but she would remind us often that money was the root of evil. And it just never sat well with me. And I've always wanted to, I've, I, I, I long for the day where I hand her a million dollars and I say, go ahead, show me evil. Cause <laughs> she's, she's one of the nicest people I've ever met. Mm. So show me, show me if it makes you evil. You know, I know she's just going to save it, take a vacation, buy a new car, you know? So it's those type of mentalities. If you have them from your childhood, find ways to get over them, get through them. YouTube, fine, you can get, you can do it. And if you're, and if you, if you say to yourself right now, oh, wait, I kind of been putting that to my kids. Don't limit them. You're affecting their entire future. What kind of house they come up, they, they have when they're 30, what kind of car they drive when they're 40 is being affected by you saying things like that. So be very conscious. Well, one of the limiting beliefs that you might be instilling in your children. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons that the, the stream brought this concept up of, of this money, money pyramid or this financial pyramid is that they wanted it to use, they wanted to use it as a way of explaining the importance of appreciating what they call transgressors. And for people who are at the bottom of the pyramid or even in the middle of the pyramid, money is often what they label as a transgressor, meaning something that we don't feel good about kind of haunts us. Um, we point a, the evil eye at it, you know, whatever we, 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 whatever way we limit it, we limit it. But the point is we're limiting it. We're limiting it by choice because we, we decide that it's evil. It's wrong. It's bad. It's a, mm-hmm. it's something to be avoided and so forth. And in, in so and doing, then we feel happy because we're like, all right, I'm, I'm glad I don't have that much of it. I yeah. guess that's a, that's us looking for control over a situation. It is control over. It is. It is. That's and what the stream is suggesting, what we started talking about, what the stream is suggesting is instead of of trying to find appreciation by depriving yourself of it. See if you can find appreciation for having it. Cause for yeah. that personal, for that personality type who's saying, well, yeah, happiness and money, I, you're not going to uh, achieve happiness with money. That personality type is defining their money in terms of happiness. And they're, and they're saying, I can't be happy if I'm going to deal with money. So I'm going to have to get money out of my life. I'm going to have to take money out of my thought process because money is so evil, so bad. And the stream is saying, well, what if you could find a way to appreciate that money? What if you could find a way to appreciate the people that you don't like behind the money? You know what? What if you could find a way to appreciate all these things that you've been demonizing all these years? I know this probably a hundred percent of the people that are doing this. If they heard you say what you just said, they ah, I'm not doing that. There's no way I think that way. No Absolutely. way I think that way. This, and, this is advanced concept, no doubt. And because they don't believe it, they think that way, they are going to make zero effort to change. That's right. Which is exactly why we've been as stagnant as we've been as a culture. You got to acknowledge that your poop has an odor, people. <laughs> you are not perfect. <laughs> and there are things to be learned. Oh my gosh. Thinking you know it all is probably the worst thing a person could do. 
You've, you've literally stunted your growth and shut down your acceleration the second you think you know it all. And every second that you think you know it all, even if it's br a brief for five minutes, you stopped your growth completely yes. 100% stopped your growth. Well, I want to ask you something. I know we got nine minutes left. Sure. Uh, another thing I think from the, the untethered soul, if you, this is it. This is live. This is experiment right now. All we right. Here live. we go. We didn't, we didn't plan this. No, uh, no, no. By the way, shout out to everybody, you know, especially JB, uh, for saying they enjoy the guest free show. We should do it like this more often. And hello, uh, Rosalie too. Yes. Hello. Hello, everyone. I can't see that part. Sorry. Um, <laughs> everyone at home, do this too. If money in your mind, intuitively, I want to hear the first answer you got. If you had to give well, let's do, let's do it like that. Money as an essence, as a whole, everything you've ever known about it and everything you, you know about it. If you had to give money a face, who would it be, Walt? What face do you I see? Any face on the planet. Any face on the planet. God. You're asking me to pick one. <laughs> <laughs> That's what makes it so hard. I got to pick one. <laughs> well, the, the 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 reason why I ask is in the book, the Untethered Soul. I asked you to do that, and for me, I, for some reason, intuitively, I just had a person pop up, and I was like, I wonder why it was that person. And then you ask yourself, what is my relationship with that person? Mm. And then you're like, they've been good to me, but eluded me, but da da da. da, da. And then you end up with the exact same. The definition or whatever that you would have for money. Yeah, that makes deep sense. down inside. Yeah. And then, so what they do is they have you shift that and change that money monster, as Morgana Ray would call it. Change that money monster face into whatever face you want. It's interesting you're saying this because I'm thinking back particularly to rate, I've told the story many times. After, uh, 2008, my business got wiped out. By 2012, we were deep in debt. We were struggling. I started a podcast, trying to figure out how to get through all this stuff. You know, bring on this, the guests to teach me all this thing. But I was still, I was still struggling with the whole thing. And if you had asked me in 2012 that question, when I think of money, whose face do I see? I would have said anybody but mine, because I really felt like everybody else could have money except me. Okay. I never heard an answer like that. But that's the way it felt. And and if you'd asked me at the time, first of all, I probably wouldn't have admitted it. But if you could have gotten me to admit it, that's what I would have said. I can't remember who I, whose face it was. I had written on that mirror over there. Mm -hmm. I can't remember whose face I saw, but the relationship was so dead on accurate. It was a movie star mm -hmm. uh, that has been very... Uh, good to me in a sense of uh, aspirations, role model. Okay, I like how he's doing this. However, he has eluded me to a certain extent. And that was the same exact extent that money has eluded me. Mm. And, and and me not having a billion dollars right now, you know what I mean? Or more than that, actually. So, and because that's where I, my goal is up there. I mean, my goal is in the, when I, when I, when people ask me how much are you worth, I ask them how much is the law of attraction worth? <laughs> you know, we, exactly. You can't put a number on that. You got companies working together that wouldn't normally work together. Like if the mm. world was to change and adapt the law of attraction as a whole, 
how much is that worth? That's there's you can't put a price on, calculate. Limit on that. But LeBron James got two billion dollars from Nike, so I want two billion and one dollars from Nike with a standing agreement that if they were to ever pay someone more than that, I would get the difference plus a dollar to keep me as their highest paid, um, you know, spokesperson or whatever. So, wow. uh, so when you look at my dreams and aspirations, they started, you know, $2 billion, $2 billion and one to be exact. So when I look, when I look at what I have now or even a hundred million dollars, I'm like, you know, I just, eh, but then I got to get myself out of that because you mm-hmm. know, appreciation is the key to getting there. Yeah. Um, hence, it's, it, it's a great example, though. <laughs> it's a wonderful example because I think it illustrates exactly how we trap ourselves, and we're really Ooh. good at it. We're really, really good at it. I, I'm like, you know, top of the list. I've gotten a lot better than I was back in 2012. That's why my financial situation has improved. But I can also tell from what my current financial situation is how much further I have to go. Is that pre-programming, or is that something you learned growing up? Watching your parents pay bills and then, you know, get paychecks, spend paycheck, get like, is that learned or is that you mean, you in mean us the, already? The, the idea that I had in 2012 that everybody else could have money except me. Is that what you mean? No, no, no. What you were just talking about, like, as far as like a mentality. Oh, of, um, well, yeah, it's all learned. Absolutely. It's all learned. And, and yes, we learn it from parents and yes, we learn it from our experience. Yes, we learn it everywhere. I mean, we pick it up all over the place. Um, I, I could point to probably 20 different places where I learned that. And that would be but none of that is with us when we're born. That's the question. I don't I, I can't answer that question because the more that I've learned about what happens with kids as they're being born, the more I realize that we come into this world fully formed, fully vibrational. And I don't remember what happened when I was born. I don't remember what I, where, what my space was. I imagine like I was like most other kids who are born, you know, they're born high vibe happy and then life affects them. But I don't know for sure. I wasn't aware of it, of what was going on at that point. I know that if we have, well, no, no, it's not going to be if we have an opinion while we're in the womb, which we do. We have preference mm. of food versus sure. alcohol. Yeah. You know? Um, you know, for parents who are drinking when they're pregnant, we have our, our opinions in the womb, which gives us limitations. Cause if you have an opinion and you're in the womb and you try to move your arm, you can't, you've met a limitation. So in the womb, you already know there's certain limits to my reach, to my, to my stretch, to how fast I can. So these limiting beliefs are instilled in us in the womb. There, and, and so I guess I, I guess I say, yeah, we are born with limiting beliefs deeply instilled in us, which are further, you know, confirmed with our parents teaching us how to budget a checkbook. And you know, but I got a question for you. The limits may be there, but do, is it limits that make us feel limited? Because I'm not so sure that that's the case. I guess I would say, yeah. I mean, if you try to move your arm out and you can't, and you're like, damn it, damn womb, is that an artery? I know, <laughs> but, but I, see, the reason I'm not so sure it's true is I think about people who I've interviewed here on the show, people who have just, you know, they, they, they didn't allow any kind of, of thoughts about limits to bother them at all. They said, the limits, screw the limits. I'm going anyway. The limits didn't matter to them. The limits were there. The limit, it's not like the limits weren't there. It's just, they didn't care. I would say that's how fast you learn how to get over the limits, which genetically some people get over shit. Sorry, them, uh, shout out to Debbie G. Uh, genetically, some <laughs> things, 
Hashtag we love Jeffy G in the comments. Um, yeah, you know, some people can get over things faster than others genetically. So I would, I would throw that in there, you know, but I mean, just like, you know, you come out of the womb and you're like, Ooh, it's cold. What the hell? I don't like this. And you kind of learn to deal with it, deal to get away with it. Like, and then that's a limit right there to how much cold I would stand before I get pissed off. And then you're screaming, you know, all these doctors and new people staring at you naked, you know, birth. <laughs> I, 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 I just think about all the interviews I've done with people who have been, who have become multimillionaires or at least millionaire status. And every single one of them without fail has had the same commonality. And that is they are not stopped by limits. They're not stopped by failures. They're not stopped by stuff that didn't work out. They just kept going anyway. They said, screw that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to even worry about that. I'm moving on. And the people who don't become millionaires, myself included, are the ones who do get stopped by that stuff. Oh man, I got defeated. Oh man, I failed. Now I have to stew on it for a while. Now I have to figure out, well, how did I fail? The people who were successful, they say, screw that. Next. <laughs> That's it. And, the, and especially in the, not in the face of adversity, in the face of quote unquote failure. Mm. That's what it is. When the universe kicks you in your chest and says, no, you can't have that and proves it to you. No, you, not, oh, you didn't yeah. get the, you didn't get the promotion. Cindy got it. Right. Like right. And, and there's not another spot available. Yeah. It's those are the times where you got to. This, those are the most impactful times because it's how you respond to that determines you end up getting a different job somewhere else, making more money. So I don't you know, know exactly where my, my head was at when I was born or when I was growing up. I have little clues, but I don't really know for sure. What I do know is I know where my head, my head is right now. My head right now is I'm learning every single day to just say, screw the difficulties. I'm, I'm just doing my best. I, I, it's not easy. I have this long history of not. You know, mm -hmm. of not doing that, of saying, I'm going to get all upset about the difficulties, but I keep practicing it every day. And it does get easier over time. It does get easier to just say, you know, I, I'm not going to worry about that crap. I'm just not going to. I'm going to move on right now. You know what, you know what sits in the underlying, the underlying thought process when you say that? I have, and, and, it, and it sticks with me. And it's part of my fuel. I have a, Overwhelming history, <laughs> a long standing history of trying to figure out or dictate what's going to happen next and being wrong. Hmm. That shuts me down, man. Yeah, that makes sure. me say, screw trying to guess. I'm just going to let this stuff happen. Like that is, that is one of my biggest reasons I'm able to live in the moment and not worry mm. about that BS email, that BS phone call. Yeah. Cause I'm tired of being wrong. Sure. Just guessing and being wrong over and over and over again. I'm like, man, fuck that. I'll just deal with, it. you know, universe is with me. I got God's source in me. I wouldn't do that to me. So I'm going to, this is just another test. I'm going to turn this around. My boy got his, uh, got his account hacked, his business account hacks for thousands of dollars. And Oof. then the bank is, uh, trying to screw him on another deal. Some guy bought a bunch of stuff. Wow. And, uh, they refunded the guy, said he didn't get it. So now they, you know, thousands of dollars worth of stuff came out and, and he was just, you know, upset about it all. And I was like, I know you might not want to hear this, but when I get those phone calls, it's when I'm most excited. I said, it's weird, but you're in a game. You ask for something. The universe is going to say no to you somehow. And it's how you respond to that determines if, and when you get it, if you cry about it and you give up, no, if you do like you're talking and you say, I got this, I'm refusing to yield, you know, that's when you push through. And I said, so you're in the middle of the game. 
You went with the goal, with the wish. The universe hit you with the no. It's your turn now. You're in the game. What you want is coming. You didn't have confirmation that it was coming before this. Now you have confirmation. If you can hold on to that and really believe in it, because if you don't believe in it, then it's pointless. But if you can adapt your mental capacities to believe in that, which just takes a couple of proof. Think back to your last manifestations and when you got shut down and pay attention to these next manifestations and when the universe says no. Enough proof and you're in there. And you'll be able to handle bad emails and bad phone calls with excitement. It's it's a it's a beautiful thing. Sometimes I do have to remind myself, like remember you're in the game, but that's easy now. Muscle memory. I've been working on it. Work on it. Adopt it. It's really good. That's a beautiful thing. That's a great way to end the show too. Real really wonderful high notes. So as usual, Neo Positivity proving his name beyond any doubt <laughs> that thoughts really do become things. And if it all comes down to what you're focusing on, man, does he focus on the good stuff? Thank you so much, Neil. Appreciate it very much. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thanks to the boys out there protecting us. And thank you to our podcast listeners everywhere. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.